I'm fucking sick of it. I'm fucking sick of it. I'm fucking sick of it. Oh. I'm fucking tired of this shit. But on and on I... I am going to create an environment that is so toxic. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sourpuss. I'm Neve, one of the creators. We've been away for a while. Myself, Carol, and Brianne all work in film and TV. And we've been completing our masters at the National Film and Television School this year. So it's been busy. Um, but thank you for bearing with us. PMDD is something I've been dealing with for around 10 years. And unfortunately, it's a huge part of my existence and personality, whether I like it or not. PMDD is in its early stages of being properly recognised. And it's very difficult to get an official diagnosis, particularly without going private, which for many of us isn't an option. Because of this, I wanted to personally make sure that anyone listening to this who can relate but hasn't got a diagnosis yet or even started that journey don't feel like they don't have a right to be here. There's so much stigma around PMS and periods as a whole that it's difficult to even take it seriously yourself sometimes and not just think, this is normal for women and assigned female at birth because this is what periods are like. I personally find it very difficult to explain to people in my life what PMDD is without it sounding like I just made it up. So for this reason, we're going to be taking a little look at the urban dictionary definitions of PMS and PMDD. So starting with PMS, uh, this one's my favourite, a powerful spell that women are put under about once every month, which gives them the strength of an ox and the stability of a Windows operating system and the scream of a banshee. Basically, man's worst nightmare. A curse. A symbol of unfairness, an uncontrollable hell that fulfills all things that can make women sad. Fatness, ugliness, and ickiness. Just want to confirm, those are the only things that make women sad. It occurs a week or days before a woman's period. That's inaccurate. During this time, men will drive women to become lesbians for the simple fact that they are insensitive and cynical towards this cruel suffering that women go through. <clears throat> there was something um, a bit more adult at the end there that I'm going to skip over. <laughs> and then the author goes on to say, I have PMS as I write this. I want to die. And I don't just have any old type of PMS. I have severe, psychotic form of PMS called PMDD that causes me to have temporary bipolar disorder. I'm not kidding. So... That leads us on to PMDD and the definitions under that. Should be a treat. PMDD. PMS on crack. Nice. PMS with a twist. This is not your everyday PMS. This is a severe form of PMS that can trigger super irritability, anger, manic depressive states and homicidal feelings. Trust me, I've been there. PMDD kicks PMS's ass every day. It's the mothership of premenstrual symptoms. <laughs> PMDD would make a woman want to rip her ovaries out, burn them, and rejoice afterwards. I would say that that last one is pretty good, actually. Um, but to sum it up even better, I've made a little um, song mashup, which I think musically portrays PMDD. Oh. 
control. Could I interest you in everything, all of the time? A little bit of everything, all of the time. Apathy's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. I'm not really feeling like I wanna get lit. Tell us how you're feeling. Well, I feel like shit. So that was maybe a little vague. So to get more specific, here are some great TikToks about PMDD. It's like PMS, only it's worse. Like, I can't do anything I want to normally do. All I want to do is come home from work, sit on the couch and watch TV for like two weeks before my period. I feel like I only have one good week out of every month. I feel like being a bitch today. I feel sad and I want to eat everything. So I have this thing called PMDD. Um, PMDD is like PMS, but worse. Like if PMS were a lizard, PMDD is Godzilla with really painful tits. Before my periods, my boyfriend has to act like a hostage negotiator. Let me see if I understand you correctly. You're angry because I was four minutes late and therefore I don't respect your family? Okay, what are your demands? There aren't any because I've already ruined everything? <laughs> Should I still save you some cake? <laughs> hey buddy, wanting to unalive yourself the week before your period? Not normal. Crippling anxiety or depression the week or two before your period? Also not normal. So let's talk about it. PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Occurring in about 5% of people, PMDD is when your mental health is gravely affected for a week or two before your period. PMDD TikTok is really kind of kicking off at the moment. Um, and I know that for me, when I'm going through hell week or hell fortnight or however long my womb decides to rage, PMDD TikTok actually really helps just to kind of laugh at laugh at it a little bit or try and laugh through the pain um but now we're gonna have a little listen to some anecdotes that have been very kindly submitted to us by some of our collaborators and followers about their experience with pmdd hello um my name's neve and i guess i'll start with a general overview of my pmdd journey so far um, I wasn't actually diagnosed until March 2020, so not too long ago, really. Um, I believe, though, that I actually was suffering from PMDD since my mid-teens. And, I mean, I'd always struggled with my periods and being quote-unquote moody. <laughs> um, and I even missed school quite a lot, um, maybe like a few days every couple of months because of it. Um, but it wasn't really until I went to university that I really started thinking that what I was experiencing wasn't normal. Um, I very much had the mindset of, it's just your period, everyone gets them, grow up and get on with things really. And I was probably a bit too harsh on myself and I guess still am at times. Um, but ultimately, things only really got worse and in the last couple of years. Um, I'm almost 23 now. There have been some months over the last few years where I've not been able to get out of bed or I've had to go home early from things because I've just had no energy and felt so awful. Um, I've turned down a lot of kind of social events just because I just felt so anxious and so low. Um, and currently I'm, I'm studying to be a doctor at the moment, which is an incredibly demanding 
um, career choice and I mean it will be even more demanding um, once I qualify but even studying for it is still very hard work so it got to the point where I had to do something as it was really interfering. Um, I decided to go to a private gynecologist after I ended up having two A&E visits within a couple of months in early 2020 just due to extreme pain um, and you know it's the kind of usual story with PMDD and things like all the scans and tests and everything came back normal. Um, so I was just kind of sent home as just suffering from PMS, basically, or just ovulation pain. Month on month, I was obviously still suffering. So I went to the gynecologist and it was her that diagnosed me with PMDD, which I had heard of anyway through online research. And I thought that this was what I had. So it was really nice to finally get that diagnosis um she put me on a contraceptive pill which I take continuously and so far it's definitely been a step in the right direction particularly helping with the pain and the other physical symptoms um but the more mental and emotional side of PMDD still does creep through and some months it still can be unbearable so it's not really a cure-all but that's where I am Hi there, uh, my name is Brenna Burke and I am the face behind the Instagram account PMDD Support. Um, I started that account about a little over three years ago and since then I have actually um, started my coaching for PMDD Support. I now have it under my LLC and um, I just teach women how to cope with PMDD and how to improve their symptoms and get back to um, a really great and wonderful life that they all deserve. Um, I just kind of wanted to introduce myself really quick just because, um, just to get a backstory on me. And I um, actually started that account with no real expectations. All I wanted to do was, you know, just share my story, see if there was anybody else out there struggling with this. Um, I think when I looked it up on Instagram a little over three years ago, before, right before I created the account, um, I didn't see a lot out there and, you know, looking online, there wasn't a lot of information and I was like thinking, well, um, I couldn't be the only one, even though I felt like the only one. So, um, that's just kind of my story and that's how it all started. Anxiety, um, when I was in high school and I was about 16 or 17 when I felt these things really come on. Um, I did have a history of just anxiety generalized and OCD when I was like in elementary and middle school. Um, so I've always been a very anxious person, but I got my period at age 13 and until I was about 18, I never really ran into a lot of issues with it. I would just get really tired and, you know, take naps on the couch after school and, um, you know, I had cramps and all that, but it wasn't anything that was just unbearable. Um, but then I remember, you know, one time when I was um, 18, actually, I had a really, really low moment. And that's kind of when I think back where I can pinpoint the start of my PMDD. Um, so I, you know, I was, I remember it so vividly. I was sitting in my car. I had called my mom and just told her that I was feeling really, really down and it was scaring me because I had never, I had, you know, had depression for a while at that point, but I never felt this low and like nothing could be done about it. And like there was a sense of impending doom, um, you know, and that was actually right before I was going to get my period. And I didn't put two and two together because um, it was kind of my first time going through that. So I just thought, you know, I didn't have any reason to believe that 
um, they would be linked. In the throes of PMDD, you feel like just like you're almost not even yourself. You have no control over your emotions or mind or what's happening to your body. And, you know, I, I did know at that point that I was due for my period soon. So I remember I was sitting in my room just kind of not sure what to do, what to think. Um, so I ended up going on Google and I searched, um, I searched, what did I, oh, severe PMS. And that's kind of when I came across the concept of PMDD. And, you know, from there on out, I could tell so many stories, but, um, I suffered so, so, so horribly from this, um, for, you know, four years after that too. And I'm finally, I'm 24 now. So I'm finally at a point where, um, you know, I've tried so many things. I put so much effort into bettering myself and just, you know, really caring for my health and putting those priorities first when I need to, because, I just knew that this was no way to live. I was spending two weeks out of every month um, just feeling very, very incapable of doing the things that I know I knew I wanted to do because, you know, I had the headaches, I had the horrible cramps, I had the back pain, I had the super bad fatigue to where I would just be in bed all day and then yet at night I couldn't sleep. Um, so it's like hypersomnia and insomnia. Um, I had severe mood swings, no control over my moods, um, suicidal tendencies, like, and thoughts. Um, I just, you know, it was every month and it would just be so bad. It was like my body was just rejecting me because for me, the most intolerable ones are definitely, um, the mood symptoms because I know who I am deep down and I know who I want to be. And when I'm just in that haze of feeling like I can't get out of those thoughts and those moods and that overthinking and, you know, just just paranoia, feeling like everybody hates me and like I hate myself. This disorder can definitely be amplified by any stress. It can be amplified by anything, um, you know, in your outside life to where you don't feel like you can include PMDD as a part of your story where you don't feel comfortable, you know, even sharing with the people around you that you have it. One of the most unexpected ways that I have personally found to help manage my PMDD was setting up and creating my Instagram account, Fighting with PMDD. Um, I started it very shortly after I was diagnosed as I wanted to learn more about the condition and spread awareness of it as someone who suffers from it myself but also as someone who is going to be qualified as a doctor in a few years and working in the medical community, I also had that interest in it. Um, and I, I guess it's not really the most typical management technique that people use, but being a part of that online community is, I would say, the best thing that could have happened to me since getting my diagnosis. Being surrounded, even virtually, by people who completely understand what you're going through and can sympathize with you and support you. It's something that I personally didn't have and haven't really had in my day-to-day -day life. I mean, people can say that they understand as much as they want, but it's different to talking to someone who does really know what you're going through and has experienced it themselves. Earlier this month, I was incredibly lucky enough to have a chat with Laura Murphy, the Director of Education and Awareness at IAP. Oh my fucking god.
at um at IAPMD, which for some reason my dyslexic brain um has great difficulty in saying. Um, but yeah, I had a chat with Laura and um, I was joined by comedian, actor and poet and regular Sourpuss collaborator, Carmen Alley. So I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did. So personally, I was super excited to chat to you because it is just so rare to be able to talk to somebody who actually really knows about PMDD. I've been treated for it since I was about 17 uh, so I've spoken to so many doctors about it. None of them have had any idea really what it is. And some of them kind of don't really believe it's a thing, but are happy to treat me for it. So it's a very kind of confusing grey area. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I think it would be really great to hear your kind of go-to definition for PMDD because it is so difficult to actually hear that from a doctor or from you know, mental health professionals and or anyone. <laughs> Definitely. So um, PMDD, it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's a hormone-based mood disorder that where symptoms are present during the luteal phase of the month. So from around the time of ovulation to around the time of your period. So um, often described somewhat annoyingly by some people um, as severe PMS. But it's just so much more than that. But symptoms are only ever present in that period between ovulation and around the time of your bleed, around the time of your bleed to the next ovulation, unless you have other comorbid conditions, it should you should be free of those symptoms. Symptoms include depression, anxiety, panic attacks, feeling of overwhelm, um, sometimes changes in um, appetite. So that can be overeating or completely losing your appetite, changes in sleep patterns. So some people um, have insomnia, other people have hypersomnia, which is what I had where I'd sleep, you know, 18 hours a day and just not be able to keep my eyes open. Um, for some people it's rage and irritability, um, exhaustion, fatigue, um, one that's coming up a lot recently, it's not in the diagnostic criteria, but is leg pain, joint pain. Um, there are some sort of physical aspects for some people, um, like bloating, uh, tends to be, um, because it's a mood disorder, the, the symptoms are primarily psychological. It's, it's all sounding very, very familiar um, with a personal experience. Um, it's, it's great to hear kind of that recognition that it isn't just a week it's from ovulation until you bleed it changes from person to person it differs yeah. so it's a spectrum disorder so people um some people might suffer more mild symptoms moderate or severe but even the mild side of the symptoms will still be um life impairing you know mm -hmm. during those few days where it's present some people will have symptoms just for a few days some people it might be for one week and for other people it will be the whole two weeks if you're on a you know a very regular 28 day cycle obviously yeah. if you have an irregular cycle or something like PCOS it can be harder to track um, because obviously you're not like clockwork like a, a regular cycle would be but the mm -hmm. symptoms are very much um, just confined like it's like a on and off condition where you know you'll kind of go down into it and then 
they lift around the time of your your period but it can differ from everyone and it can differ month to month depending you know um, any lifestyle changes any extra stress any medication changes but the important thing is you know that once you bleed a few days into your bleed those symptoms will lift for some people it's very quick you know it's you know like a light switch yeah um, for other people it can take a little while for that kind of um I used to say it was like a black veil I used to remember just feeling like this you know over a couple of hours just that kind of veil would kind of lift that darkness you'd be like oh here's life yeah again. sometimes it, it's like a day or two but sometimes it's like I start bleeding and it, within a few hours I just feel like a new person and suddenly my outlook on everything is completely different and I'm kind of like okay let's let's get back on with things Let's go out. Let's go and see people that I hated a few days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I can relate to that one. It's really wild. And I think it it puts you in a very kind of uh, unique position um, as a a person who bleeds where you're looking forward to your period coming. Whereas a lot of people, you know, that's like the time in the month that they dread. Yeah, most definitely. And I used to, you know, plenty of us count down the days like I used to wait for those cramps you know because you knew that relief was coming at the moment it's four really bad days which is a relatively short amount compared to how it's been in the past and last month I didn't really get any at all it's like mild PMS I was just waiting for it to hit and for me to be you know crazy but it didn't did it come any changes well the thing is it was oh I have endometriosis and it was a really bad month from start from day one of my cycle to bleeding with endometriosis like big uh swelling pain every day and I wonder if that affected ovulation or or something because Possibly you didn't ovulate yeah. maybe is is it ovulation that kind of causes it ovulation is the trigger so pmdd is it's not a hormone imbalance it's a a negative reaction in the brain to the normal hormone fluctuations so every time you ovulate and those large hormone rises happen rise and falls happen your brain cannot cope with that and has a severe abnormal negative reaction to those so while ovulation is the trigger um, that's why one of the you know a lot of the treatments are cycle suppression to suppress that ovulation so that you don't get those big large rise and falls um, and that is why you know end of the light treat end end of the road treatment like myself I had my ovaries removed um, because mm. it removes that large trigger that occurs every month but if you don't ovulate then you won't have PMDD symptoms that month. But that's really interesting to hear. Nobody's ever explained to me what actually happens in your body. I'd never heard that it was actually a brain thing. It's in the brain. You know, hormone levels have been tested for many, many years. They haven't been able to find any um, issue with the sort of... um, the levels or so forth. It is to do with the sort of metabolisation of the hormone fluctuations. So why do some people have it is it known why some people have this and other people don't so there's known to be a genetic link in 2017 there was research um, released in america um where they had discovered that there was a genetic malfunction that is thought Mm. to be that is thought to be um hereditary 
Yeah. So we often hear of people whose mothers or grandmothers went through something similar or perhaps, you know, were sectioned back in the day for hysteria and so forth. Very, well, I was going to say very different times, not not different enough. Um, But there's also there's a few different threads that kind of feed into it trauma is supposed to be quite closely linked there's been some research as a high prevalence of childhood trauma for those that have pmdd so of course trauma is so deep rooted and affects people's biology as they they grow up um there's a high prevalence of yeah um, traumatic experiences um and also hereditary and also it's important to say so not everyone perhaps has PMDD from being a teenager plenty of people Mm. do but other people won't develop symptoms until um during their sort of reproductive lifespan which I hate as a phrase like you know like we're reproductive machines you know baby makers but during that during that time of your life where you you can reproduce if you wish um some people don't have symptoms or don't have it triggered as such until maybe they have children or till they're perimenopausal it can be a pregnancy loss um a termination some kind of stressful trigger can also That's really interesting trigger it off although it's not quite understood why so maybe it's laying dormant and then it's just somehow triggered by that stress um but yeah definitely it's an area where there definitely needs to be more research and with that in mind would you say for somebody trying to look for treatment do you think it's better to go or does it not really make a difference whether you go to a gynecologist or somebody more focused on mental health the golden question (laughs) yeah um it's entirely depends it entirely depends on your symptoms if you feel perhaps you're unsure if you have pmdd but you might have something else so there's also i don't know if you ever heard of pme so premenstrual mm. exacerbation so some people may have um some people who have arthritis depression anxiety bipolar borderline any condition um, can be exacerbated during the luteal phase so if perhaps someone has ADHD that's being exacerbated during the luteal phase they might be misdiagnosed with PMDD or vice versa someone with um, rapid cycling bipolar may be misdiagnosed with PMDD or vice versa so if you need that um differential diagnosis so if you need a diagnosis where someone knowledgeable sits and looks through your tracking and really tries to break down what's happening then probably someone in the someone knowledgeable in the mental health arena um Mm. a lot of people i'm under a gynecologist um for cycle suppression that's the route i went down really what is needed is more holistic care so people work with both a mental health professional and a gynecologist because you know yeah. the, the two kind of intertwine if you're having cycle suppression um which can be really difficult because it causes fluctuations in itself um you can have really awful symptoms and may need extra support um but otherwise you know if perhaps you are responding better to um, ssris 
and therapy and learning coping techniques than a mental health route I would always say um, to have a look on our website we have a map of doctors of people who've been recommended by patients with PMDD um, so they that is that would be my first port of call to be honest see who's near you yeah call, call them up if you can find out more about them research them find out you know what their areas of interest are I mean I've just been referred to an amazing gynecologist uh, who has been just so good for endo doesn't have a clue about PMDD he can't even say the the word the name like I can see him feel uncomfortable say it and he's said to me before oh it doesn't matter what you call it like we'll treat you the same and because I've been like I've actually just said like do you think I have PMDD and he's been like well you've got severe PMS it doesn't really matter what you call it does it matter and, to uh, you yeah it really, really matters to me because then it matters yeah it, you know it's, it's like this whole sort of like chips and fries kind of thing you know does it does it matter does the definition matter personally to me if someone said I had severe PMS which I've learned through working with um you know Dr Bonet who's in the UK severe PMS can be really debilitating and really awful for people not it's just not quite the same as PMDD yeah you know it just feels like PMDD is another level so if someone refers to what I'm suffering from as PMS I find it really invalidating rightly or wrongly but PMS is stigmatized maybe and maybe we're feeding into that stigma ourselves Mm. by reacting that way um yeah but personally for me I never felt that it did justice to what I went through every month you know I I found seeing that diagnosis written down in black and white on paper gave me rightly or wrongly such validation to be like you know no this is what you're suffering from Mm. this is real this is you know it's in the dsm5 it's a a condition that's being researched and not taken quite seriously enough yet but however it made me part of a community i work in film and tv and it's very collaborative all the time, especially, uh, well, to be honest, actually start to finish on projects because in pre-production, you're always working with a small team and then the team just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I really feel like I I need the diagnosis. I need something written down so that I can give it to people and say, like, this is why I might be like this. This is why my energy might be slightly different on this specific week out of a month. Other people understanding helps me a lot and other people taking it seriously. Yeah, and I totally agree. And, you know, some people don't need or want that diagnosis. For me, it was really important because it just, for me, it was more making sense of the past, Mm. like rather than the present, if that made sense. I want, you know, I could look back to the relationships and, you know, crying in the toilets at work and not being able to go to work and wanting to quit work and all those Mm -hmm. things, you know, and for me to see that and just be like, that's what it was, you know, obviously it's, it's complicated, life is complicated, but you know, that for me just gave some of it some context. It's like you used to just come up for air, you know, you'd see that light and you come up over the waterline gasp some air and just sort of start getting your breath back and then feel yourself getting pulled down again and once you've 
done that relentlessly over and over and over and over you know you are exhausted I mean yeah there's only so long you can be treading that water and you know you get tired yeah absolutely Carmen it'd be great to hear about your experience if you feel comfortable sharing um how did you kind of find out that you had PMDD yourself I think basically I looked it up because I couldn't understand why my PMS was starting so early and lasting so long and why it was Mm. so awful and I think what happened was I remember when I was a teenager it was really bad and then I went on the pill and then I was it kind of leveled me out and it makes sense because that stops ovulation and then when I stopped taking the pill in like 2015 or something, then um, I started feeling really depressed. Um, and then I was like, oh, it must, you know, and I looked it up and it said it could be PMDD. And then I went to the doctor and he gave me some antidepressants. And then I was like, no, I don't need antidepressants. I'm not going to take them. I'm just going to try and manage it myself. And then like two years late no maybe like a year year and a half later just like wasn't getting better and then my partner was like can you just get some antidepressants (laughs) and then I got antidepressants and it was like my life just changed suddenly it was like Mm. this black cloud had been removed from my brain and it was it was just crazy like the change like yeah like when um I'd wake up in the morning and like not want to be awake and then and now it's like oh yeah it's great like it's yeah that's literally how I describe it when I first started SSRIs um it just went away for a few years like every now and again I'd get a bad month but it was notable I could like pinpoint it wasn't like every month like that cycle where you know as we were saying if it's you're always exhausted because you're just only coming up for air like a, a week out of a month but they actually stopped working for me after uh, don't say that <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it won't for you I think it was because I had like a hormonal change because this is when the endometriosis started as well so it's like it all came back and like I know that like my body changed slightly and like my skin changed a lot around that time so there must have been a hormonal shift and I was about 25 so really that's about right that's like you know kind of child bearing age I suppose uh maybe my body was like gearing up to it or something there must have been a change because like my hips got wider oh wow (laughs) yeah and um yeah that's when they they stopped working and I was just increasing the dosage and then my doctor was doing things with me like uh, giving me a high dosage but to only take for a week or like as soon as the like the hell week kind of kicked in. Um, but then it ended up kind of just making me really like disassociated in the end. Um, I think because it was just so Probably strong. Too much. Probably the dose was too high because I think yeah. that then it just makes you kind of numb that was kind of it because I don't know if you have this but like for me um some months some particularly bad months I feel really distant from my feelings kind of like my emotional relationships and stuff 
I I sort of like I forget all of the like fond feelings that I have for people like they just irritate me and I, I kind of only feel negative things and like people are always like oh no you think you're really horrible around this time but like you know you seem fine you're like a bit touchy but it's like you don't know what I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> I'm not thinking that, anything nice <laughs> it's like I don't know if I also have just regular depression or if my depression mm. is just PMDD does that make sense so, so because I depression started like after I like started my periods when I was younger so it could like as soon as I like started my periods I would like not find it easy to get up anymore like it completely changed like I just do you know what I mean like it was like as a different person it's like this monster called inside me was saying a minute ago actually about ADHD because I've realized in the last like year or so that I think I've got undiagnosed ADHD as well because I looked up loads of symptoms and I was like oh my god this is me like and apparently gets missed in women quite a lot um because we don't present Mm. the same symptoms as um like boys do in childhood um so like having that as well and anxiety and depression and PMDD and ADHD and like it's just a bit you said you don't always know what's causing each thing or each reaction does that make sense it's so hard and I know people that have gone through the whole treatment process they've had chemical menopause they've had they've been surgical menopause so they've had very major surgery and then they found out it was undiagnosed ADHD treated so but I'm, I'm on TikTok and TikTok is convinced I have ADHD and now I'm convinced because <laughs> everything I see about it I'm like oh my god that's me having that self-awareness about yourself the way you act the way you react to things you know it's so valuable and that comes with a diagnosis that comes with you know because I'm I'm the same I used to think I was the most awful person until I found out about PMDD I thought why am I like this why am I horrible person part of the month why do I dislike people why you know do I want to quit my job why am I no good at anything you know why do I you know look at my partner and just feel nothing you know or just it's that you know, one <laughs> which is it's really it's everyone yeah really common you know and you have to learn to sort of try to figure out what is PMDD what is causing those thoughts and feelings and what is real you know so we always say like don't make major major decisions in pmdd mode but also depending on the impact pmdd and perhaps other conditions are having on your life it's not surprising that then people get depressed you know and it's such a shame i always think it's such a shame that we hear so many people saying i went to the doctor and they just offered me ssris but they don't explain why so people come away thinking, I don't want to try that because they just threw antidepressants at me and wanted me out the door, rather than explaining, actually, SSRIs are statistically one of the best treatments we have currently for PMDD. Mm-hmm. They work for about 60 to 70% of people, um, often with a bit of trial and error to find the right dosage, the right regime. Kind of a, a bit of an impasse with how to treat PMDD. I'm on all, I'm on all these like Facebook support groups and stuff and People post things all the time and I just don't really know what to believe. There's a whole school of thought about antihistamines, um, which I was going to ask you about, Laura, um, because I've heard that there's 
there's some research into whether your body is like allergic to your own hormones mm-hmm. mm, I haven't heard of any research about that <laughs> I think if you're talking about inflammation <laughs> um, again very little research into it um it's not evidence-based um we are seeing plenty of people in the support groups trialing um antihistamines for um specifically non-drowsy ones to mm. to manage pmdd symptoms and some people are appearing to have success there's no research into it currently um it's something that came up we just in july held the world's first pmdd roundtable and it is something that came up from patients as um something they'd like to be a future area of study um but currently there's no evidence behind it that doesn't mean it doesn't work um mm. it just means people are kind of just trialing it and seeing how they get on with it and we are some people are having success other people aren't um so yeah it's just people taking in the mass taking the matter into their own hands which you, you can't blame them I bought some I was like I'm gonna try it next time I'm feeling awful I'm gonna give it a go try some of them but every, all of them knock me out so yeah um, that's that's part I, the... I find that I've got quite yeah. low tolerance to them so um which isn't necessarily a bad thing if you're feeling awful and, yeah kind of nice you know <laughs> they, they help you have a, a, a rest to sleep but um yeah not evidence-based but certainly people are trying them and it would be good to see them researched. One thing actually, which I found really did make a difference is I get uh, hormonal acne, which again, didn't get until I had this uh, change when I was like 25 and the PMDD came back with a force. Every month it was like really breaking out, like all over my face, like where it wasn't before. Now I have, I take evening primrose oil every day and made a massive, because everybody, since I was a teenager, my mum's always been like, oh, do you want some evening primrose oil? And I'm like, that's not going to take away my <laughs> excruciating depression. But it did, it does help my skin. <laughs> I used to take that actually, and I did find that it helps with um, PMDD and PMS and stuff. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. So many recommendations for all these things. It's hard to know where to start. But yeah, we've talked a little bit about antihistamines, um, and that's that's interesting. Like, will be interesting to see in the future what what kind of happens there. Um, I've heard a little bit about chemical menopause. Is that is that HRT? No, uh, chemical menopause is. Um, kind of the opposite so hrt is adding hormones back into your body right (laughs) Uh, gnrah treatment chemical menopause um works by essentially sending messages to the pituitary gland to shut down your ovaries so it puts you into a temporary menopause it shuts them down so you shouldn't ovulate basically meaning you know your levels come down to a steady flat level you don't get those fluctuations every month and then mm. they use hrt to bring back in the hormones on like a really level line so that you don't get those fluctuations because it's the fluctuations that's the issue so once it's in your stream like i said starting when it can be really difficult because you get that surge um but most people find yeah after a few weeks it settles out and once it's level then a lot of people get relief because there's no fluctuations Eve, have you tried the pill just a standard contraceptive pill. I've tried five or six, I think. Um, I'm very nervous about anything hormonal now because all of them 
just affected my mental health so drastically. Um, bear in mind, most of these I took when I was a lot younger. So in my late teens up until my very early 20s. Um, but yeah, all of them just had big impacts on my mental health and coming off of them was really drastic to my mental health as well. So I don't like to go near them um, just because I'm so nervous now, to be honest. Like they seem to, they bring PMDD, they might stop it for a bit sometimes, but like when I come off them, it comes back with such a force and it's it's so, then my cycle's completely all over the place, which uh, I'm quite irregular anyway. So understanding when I'm going to be in a bad place is really important to me. And the fact that the pill just really just fucks with it makes me very nervous. It's a light way up the cost benefits, benefit analysis because I was on the pill for ages and I do think it helped. Um, mm. And like my periods used to be really irregular when I was a teenager. I was on the pill for a really long time. But then the reason I stopped taking it is because I thought whether I don't know if it's true or not that I had like um, like hair loss triggered by hormonal stuff and apparently the pill can sometimes trigger that but then and then when I came off the pill I was like ah like crazy again um, yeah. so that was really difficult but I guess I could have stayed on it if I wanted to I don't know anyone trying the pill it's really important that you don't take this well speak to your doctor but for the treatment of PMDD you don't take the sugar pills you take them back to back you don't yeah. take the active ones um and I, I kind of just it's funny hearing you say that because I was always the opposite I always thought the next thing I try it's going to work I was completely mm. you know it, I don't know even when I sort of was going to sort of the heavier treatments I was like oh this will work this will work yeah. and then it kind of got to the stage where I was like wow okay the only thing left is surgery but it's, yeah. it's a really good that's ironically actually that's how I am about endo I'm like yeah I'll try this diet it'll be great yeah. um but I'm not really like that about PMDD and I, I just think it's because of they're only really recommending me hormonal stuff which I'm just so nervous because it's always been so bad well yeah um, I think when you've had those experiences you know it's it's incredibly difficult and essentially you're the one that's got to go through them you know yeah. it's the same whenever I've changed my HRT I know that I'm in for two weeks that are really really rubbish really difficult like really yeah. the, fir the first time like I almost have my you know I wanted to go to hospital and just be admitted and just sedated it was awful um mm. it's just one of those things isn't it you, you yeah you're the one that's got to live with it and ultimately you're the one that has to advocate for your health and make your decisions on the medications that you're comfortable with and that's really frustrating when there's not a lot of options it worries me when you see in groups that people are like oh I'll probably just have them out and you're just like do you know yeah. you really it has to be an informed decision and you have to know that you are under good care so that you can get adequate HRT you need adequate um estrogen which is again difficult when endometriosis is involved mm. um you know but you surgical menopause is essentially like a, a long-term estrogen deficiency and your body needs estrogen to to function well and be healthy so it needs to be a very very informed decision and when I see younger people having it done I mean I was 37 when I had mine but I'd done so much reading um, yeah 
and was under a good clinic, which I think is important. You need, you know, it's really important to hopefully be under a, a good menopause clinic to manage those symptoms until, you know, I'm going to be on it for another, until I'm 51, at least the HRT. And then it's reviewed, you know, as you, as you get older, I, I find it really difficult when people are like, you know, uh, anti it because they're like you know you're mm. castrating a woman you're castrating them but also I see that it, it is really it's it's really radical treatment to have mm. but I think only people perhaps with PMDD and severe PMDD know that you know I potentially had to make the decision okay well my life have, might have to be a bit a little bit shorter when I'm older than you know, be shorter when I'm younger because I can't cope with living anymore. You know, their yeah. decisions, you know, I don't have the quality of life. I can't work. I can't maintain the relationships I want to. I can't maintain, you know, hobbies like I want to, like things that bring you joy in life, you know, exercise classes, all these things are really hard to be consistent when you're constantly, you know, your foot slipping off the ladder every month and so to make that decision it's big and it has to be really well informed and I get worried when I hear people talking about it sort of like you know yeah just whip them out because you think <laughs> you know it, it can be brutal you know mm. and when we've got a massive massive um, section on surgery on the IAPMD website now um that we got funding for because it's so important and because you know we'd so many of us at the organization you know well not so many a handful of us at the organization are um post-op ourselves and know that we just went through the journey with very limited information to make those decisions mm. I think finding a good doctor as well you know that's easier, easier said than done but once you do it just changes the whole game like my doctor, I just found her by chance. She says to me, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know everything about PMDD. She's the first doctor who's like really cared about it and it will try a treatment and if it doesn't work, she'll be like, okay, next steps, you know. She arranges phone calls with me every, um, every, every couple of months or every couple of weeks sometimes. Um, and I've never had that with any of my doctors before. Um, and she was the person who spotted that it could be endometriosis as well. Never even thought about that. And, um, yeah, I think it just is a huge game changer and it helps you advocate, have the confidence to advocate for your own health. To have someone that's going to look it up and be like, OK, I'm going to try and learn about this. Let's let's do it, you know, is a, a good outcome, hopefully. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. in the right direction, at least. Isn't yeah, it? absolutely. Um, so we'll bring things to a close. I think just as a kind of like leaving note, um, it would be great to hear, do you think kind of like the future is brighter in terms of PMDD? Do you think things are are getting better? You know, people know about it. I didn't know about it when I was a teenager. I yeah. didn't know what it was. And obviously I didn't have the internet then, so I couldn't just Google it. So obviously it's good that people are talking about it and people know what it is. And that, you know, we're all educating our doctors on it. Yeah. I think there's a long way to go, but we're definitely on the right path. Um, so like I said, back in July, we held the world's first PMDD roundtable. So there's now a PMDD coalition of experts around the world. We're starting a, um, well, we started a couple of 
weeks ago, a professionals community for professionals to come and learn about PMDD. And there's a science community starting for people who are studying um, science um, and cycle science. There's guidelines coming in about um, patient-led research and practice. There's things happening, you know, we're filming a film this week about like a short fictional film, like it's starting to be in conversations like it wasn't a few years ago. It's really, um, you know, we have to remember it was only added as an official disorder in 2013. That is not that long ago in the big scheme of of things. And I think it's, um, yeah. 2013 it was added to the dsm-5 um in america and then in 2019 it was added to the icd-11 so it's only recognized as an international disorder um around the world in 2019 so it's very new but good things are happening there's really good people involved um we're doing a lot of work to sort of try and accelerate the progress around the world to try and make things happen so um i'm going to do a plug please support us as an organization we're very small um but we're very mighty we work really hard to make things happen and improve quality of life for people so if you can support us in any way sharing our stuff on social media and um, financial donations always welcomed um volunteering with us um please do because you know it really helps you know the more hands on deck um, really help speed up progress which is I'm sure what we all want yeah if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram it's at Carmen Jean Alley or on Twitter it's at C-A underscore A-F underscore and then you can find all my other projects and things that I work on from there um, I co-run two sex worker led organisations and we've got some exciting things coming up so yeah give me a follow and check them out Thank you everyone who stayed listening this far and we'll see you in the next one.